Thank you for coming to the podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. Featuring interview with Darren Till is brought to you by Human Weapon Clothing. Human Weapon Clothing is a clean-looking MMA brand that bucks the trend of the tattoo-sleeve-looking shirts. Plus, right now, they're in the midst of their Kickstarter for the Black Belt Bag. The Black Belt Bag is a gym bag that looks just like a gi, and it comes in blue, white, and black, so you can show off what you do and what you love while you're heading to what you do and what you love. So... Uh, right now, head to blackbeltbags.com. The project has been fully funded, but you can still get yours at a discount if you head there right now. And don't forget to get all of your MMA clothing at humanweapon.com using promo code FLOW. That's F-L-O. Human Weapon Clothing brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA, and it starts right now. Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and we are talking to top welterweight challenger Darren Till. So, Darren, we got to start today by uh, breaking the ice on the whole Wonder Boy ordeal. First, we hear Dana say it's practically a done deal. Then we say Wonder Boy's dad come out and say he's not going to fight you. What's this whole 24 hours been like for you? It's been uh, it's been crazy to be honest, mate. Uh, like I found out the same way everyone else did. Uh, like. I didn't know anything about the Wonderboy deal until Dana said in the interview. So, like, when I woke up that morning, I was just the same as every, as shocked as everyone else, you know. And now the next 24 hours, you know, Dana wants to make the fight. I want to make the fight. But it seems that, like, you know, Wonderboy, Wonderboy's dad doesn't want to make the fight. And, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter, you know. If he doesn't want to fight, you know, that's entirely up to him, you know. Mm. And, and so his last fight was uh, was kind of mixed bag of results. He, he got the win over Jorge Masvidal. Did you see it? And what did you think of his performance there? I seen it. Yeah, great performance. You know, he, he beat he beat a very good competitor in in Masvidal. Masvidal was one of the best guys in the division. But you know, I just you know I just don't see Wonderboy's style against mine. Like you know, beating me, it's, it's just flicky, pointy. You know, he's just trying to win decisions. He's not going in there with enough aggression. You know trying to finish guys you know I just think if he comes up against me I don't think he's gonna have a lot for me I really do believe like I'm gonna really be the aggressor you know I'm confident if I can knock him out so and you said you know obviously his style is is nothing impressive so when you you picked up your recent win over uh Cowboy Cerrone you called out somebody whose style is a little bit more exciting in Mike Perry uh a, a lot of people, after a big win against somebody like Cowboy Cerrone, might have called for, you know, somebody who they thought could get him right to a title shot or even a title shot. What was your motivation kind of going after Perry? Well, I just want to fight Perry. Perry's he's, he's aggressive. He, he sells fights. He makes good fights. So, you know, he was talking a bit of shit on Twitter. We, me and him are going back and forth. You know, I've I've said many a times I don't really care about the rankings. So, for me, the rankings didn't really mean that. I just want to fight good people. You know, Perry's a good guy to fight. Yeah, and he's certainly exciting. And and if you're going to build a case for a title shot, I mean, I think showing off how exciting you are is the right way to do it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if I beat Perry, then beat Wonderboy. I'm definitely in line for a title shot. But, you know, sooner or later, the title will come. It doesn't really matter. People are saying I'm trying to jump the queue fighting Wonderboy. No, it's not me. Dana wants to fight with Wonderboy, not me. Dana wants to fight, you know, so... People are saying to me, I'm jumping the queue. I'm not. Dana wants to fight. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So let's, let's talk about somebody who might be trying to jump the queue a little bit. Uh, you know, Colby Covington in his most recent fight, you know, beat 
Timi and Mayan, what was pretty impressive performance. Now, you're an adopted son of Brazil, so to speak. You lived there for a little while. What do you kind of think of uh, Colby Covington's post-fight antics? Uh, not pretty respectful, no. He's, I don't know. He's just trying to hype himself up and sell, sell himself. But, you know, what was? I don't really know what to take on it. I don't think he should have this. He, he, he did disrespect the Brazilians, you know, by calling their place a dump. But, you know, I didn't take any disrespect. But if he wants to sell himself, there's far better ways to do it. Yeah, and, and, and I think you're a, a perfect case study of, of people who are trying to sell themselves the right way. Yeah, I'm just I'm just being genuine with what I'm doing, so everyone knows that and everyone's seeing that, so, you know, people are seeing that I'm just genuinely speaking my mind, what I think and what I believe and, you know, my own abilities, my confidence, and people, every person can adapt to people like me, you know, if you've noticed the backlash from Colby, not many people like him, yeah, and it, it's certainly not a way to build positive fans. I guess no press is bad press. No, not, you know, and all press is good press, obviously, but, like, you know, he's losing a lot of fans and he's gaining a lot of haters with what he's doing. And at the end of the day, people are still going to watch him to get beat or to win. So, you know, maybe he's doing the right thing. So let's talk a little bit about Perry again, too. I, I trailed from it for a second, but I want to get back to that. He's, of course, supposed to fight Santiago Ponzinibbio at the end of this year. Uh, who do you like in that fight? I think Santiago wins. I think Santiago beats Perry, but I think it's going to be a good fight, a war. I think Santiago could spot Perry in, in the third or maybe on a decision, but, you know, if, if I had to bet on the fight, I'd say Santiago. And if, if that's the case, too, if Perry gets flatlined out there uh, at the end of the year, would, is, is Santiago Ponzinibbio a name you're interested in, too? Yeah, I said I want to fight Santiago. I'd still fight him. You know, as I've said, Bankins don't mean anything. I want I want good fights. Santiago's a good fight. I think he's one of the best strikers in the division. So, yeah. And if, obviously, if Perry beats Santiago and the Wonderboy fight doesn't come off, then we can have Perry in England. That's, that, that's definitely going to happen. Yeah, and, and that was the, the next question I was going to have for you, too, is that, uh, you know, the UFC announced its first quarter schedule for for 2018, and there's an England date in there. Are, are we basically going to pencil Darren Till in there against anybody? Yeah, they, I, I'm ready to fight right now. They, you know, they can put me in for, for, for the London event. They can put me in if Taylor wants to get a Liverpool event. I, I'm ready to fight the first you know, the first quarter of the year next year. That's that's my goal now. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you said this last time we had you on the show, too, that you're you're sort of a anywhere-anytime kind of guy. If one of these marquee matchups in the welterweight division that we've got to finish the year, if somebody falls through in one of those, say, you know, Robbie Lawler is supposed to fight RDA, if RDA gets hurt, uh, it, are you ready to fight t- towards the end of this year? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm anytime, any place, anywhere. I, I'll fight anyone. I don't care. Yeah, and we love that about you. So uh, we wanted yeah. to kind of end today's interview uh, with doing a quick little lightning round about the UFC. So we're going to say a name here, and you give us the first word or first phrase that comes to your mind about that person. That sound good? Okay. All yeah, right. perfect. So first name we're going to say, Tyrone Woodley. The Chump. Colby Covington. Boom. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Scared. Mike Perry. 
Boom. Robbie Lawler. Washed up. Dana White. The Boss. George St. Pierre. Legend. All right. Thank you so much, Darren. We really Thanks, appreciated mate. that. Did you uh, just kind of follow up on that George St. Pierre one? Did you uh, you obviously watch the fight with him and Michael Bisping? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it was a great fight. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there, there's kind of talks about him coming up and down between the two divisions. Uh, yeah. Is that a fight you'd like to see? Would you like to see him back in your division? He can come back, but, you know, I'm here now. The division's mine. Stay at, middle, stay at middleweight for a little while, because then I'm coming up to middleweight, and that, that, that division also will be mine. Oh, is that a plan, too? Because I know you've said, you know, you walk around like a light heavyweight, you know, you you feel really big for the 170 division, and you look really big for the 170 division. Is that a plan of yours in the future to move up to yes. 185 and two? Yeah, that's even a two? plan. And, yeah. and is there a one, 185, 185 and 205? They are my future divisions. Is is there a timeline on that, or do you you know is it conquer no. 170 and then move? It doesn't matter. I'm I'm 24. I'm going to dominate for years to come. Well, maybe we will see uh, Darren Till become the first ever three-division uh, UFC champion. Yep, maybe. Let's see. <laughs> All right. Well, we're looking forward to seeing your next okay. fight, uh, Darren Till, whether it's against Wonderboy, whether it's against Mike Perry, uh, or hopefully uh, being in London. Thank you so much for the time, Darren. Thanks, mate. Okay, bye-bye. And that interview with Darren Till was, of course, brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog Brewery is a Canadian craft brewery with no pasteurization and no preservatives. So head on over to deadfrog.ca to check out what they've got, and you can head to your nearest liquor store to see what they've got for you. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com. Dave, what did you think of that interview with Darren Till? Well, I'm jealous that you got to do that interview, Han Solo, without me. Darren Till is not only an emerging star in the UFC, uh, he's uh, an emerging personality, I guess you could say. He's great on the mic, um, and I love the lightning round you did with him. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of the lightning round. Might be something we bring back. You know, I, I actually got a little feedback off of when Flo ran that, that uh, we need to do that more often. But you know what? He's a special kind of personality. You can't do that with everybody. It won't nearly be as entertaining. He's a very entertaining guy. So the way I look at it, you know, it's funny because I feel like there's a bit of a renaissance going on at welterweight right now. You know, let's let's face it. GSP left four years ago, and the division went into a bit of a flux, right? Because Hendricks wasn't exactly the champion we all thought he was going to be. Nor, nor was Robbie Exactly. I was just going to say that Lawler held it down, defended it against Rory McDonald in the classic, defended it against Carlos Condit in the classic. But what's the problem with classics, Gumby? They're very close fights. He wasn't blowing out the competition. Yeah, Yeah, he wasn't a dominant champion. He was a fun champion. I fucking love Robbie Lawler. You tell me Robbie Lawler's on, you know, fighting tonight. I'm going to drop everything I'm doing and go watch it. But the the division. I feel like, um, and especially with a champion that is not, you know, the world's most popular nor putting on the world's most thrilling performances, it needed some revitalization. And I feel like this year emerged Darren Till, Colby Covington, and to a very lesser extent, Platinum Mike Perry, who, although I think we both agree is not well-rounded enough to maybe be a future champion, 
he has power for days and can knock out anyone any given day. So I feel like the welterweight division, all of a sudden with those three guys, got very exciting this year. And I think the big difference, though, that I want to bring up, I give all the respect in the world to Colby Covington, who really did everything on his own. He's been really funny on social media for the past year and a half. If you recall, when he didn't have a fight booked, he like went outside his gym and took photos of him in the street with a sign that said, like, we'll fight for food. <laughs> Just creative stuff like that. Colby Covington, I feel like, has made himself a star. And then Darren Till, he uh, you know, had a good first three fights and then got put in a phenomenal position, a headline fight pass against a legend and against the UFC poster boy and Cowboy Cerrone. And next thing you know, he knocks it out of the park. You have another star. That felt like it was more guided by the by the promotion, the so to speak. Yeah, 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 Covington felt a little more self-created. But nonetheless, I'm so happy for both those guys. Yeah, and I, I think the UFC almost needs to see Darren Till as a case study. Uh, you know, only 24 years old. Super, super entertaining to listen to. But at that same time, too, like, they gave him an opportunity to bust the prospect status out of the water into emerging contender by having him fight somebody who could give him that boost. And they don't do that enough with prospects, I feel like. Yeah, you know, and it's a fine line, right? Because you don't want that prospect to have some momentum. And then you get Frankie Edgar, as Jair Rodriguez just did this past summer, uh, but, you know, that was, I believe, more of just a perfect matchup for Frankie. Well, Yair's poison was always going to be a Frankie Edgar style of fighter. Yeah, but but on, on top of that, too, though, you got to know that, that Yair Rodriguez is young enough to recover from that and still be a future champion. Because, right, he's only, like, freaking right. 24 or some goddamn thing like that. So, like, it, even with the loss to Frankie Edgar, he can rebound. And if he had won that, instant star. Instant star. Mm- yeah, it's interesting because you go back to the early days of GSP. What I mean, GSP in his third or fourth fight was fighting Matt Hughes, if I'm not mistaken. I think third for the title. Couldn't even look Matt Hughes in the eye. He learned from that. He got better from that. I'm not recommending people get, you know, title shots in their third fight in the UFC. But, you know, there's something to be said for throwing people into the fire quicker, I guess. I, I agree with that. Uh, so a lot of news taking place, you know, speaking of uh, matchups and Darren Till, uh, they announced Wonderboy versus Darren Till, but it turns out Wonderboy is in no condition to go. Felt kind of like shady promotional practices to me, or promotional malpractice, I should say, just because Wonderboy was just in a fight. I feel like they always do so well to not fantasy book, to not actually book people coming off a fight, but it was like, Three days after MSG, they're saying Wonder Boy is going to headline a card in London against Hill, and it's just like, wait, really? He just fought. He probably hasn't even got back in the gym yet. Then his dad had to go on social media and defend him. Kind of made Wonder Boy look like a daddy's boy, but he posted some gnarly photos of his of his hands from that Masvidal fight. So I thought that was very weird. And then, you know, let's get your opinion on that. But I also want to throw out, I was not happy with Jose Aldo getting the title shot in place of Frankie Edgar at UFC 218. Jose Aldo has been knocked out two out of his last three fights. We just saw this fight in June. And while I get he was the biggest name available and Cub Swanson only has one more fight on his deal. And that might've played into why they didn't want to give Cub Swanson the fight. I just saw this fight. I'm not excited for it at all. I think you could have done, you want to talk about throwing an up and coming contender there. Give me Doohoo Choi. I don't care that he's coming off of a loss. Give me someone exciting, a fresh matchup. 
but to run back Aldo again just puts me to sleep. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the first one, uh, and then I'll take the second one. So let's, let's talk about, you know, Wonder Boy. Obviously, they shouldn't have done that. And then when you look at Darren Till in his interview with me saying, you know, he didn't even know the matchup was made until he heard Dana White said it. Uh, you know, obviously, it was some shady kind of stuff. And, and maybe almost hopeful on Dana White's point, because that matchup sells... And I think he's looking for sellable matchups right now, which makes what he did with Jose Aldo even crazier, right? Because that's not sellable. He just got starched by Max Holloway. Starched. And and didn't look, you know, I've heard a couple of people come out and say he looked like he was winning round one or round two. I didn't think it looked all that competitive. And maybe I got to go back and watch again. But from my memory, at least my memory tells me that that wasn't an equal fight at any point in time, was it? No, I, well, I again, I'd have to go back and watch every you know minute of it again. But no, I mean, he, Max Holloway starched him, to yeah. your point. And to run it right back four months later, there's so many exciting fighters there. And I get that they don't have the name value of Jose Aldo. But that's what makes these moments. And, you know, it sucks. It's on pay-per-view. Maybe if it was on Fox Sports, or excuse me, maybe if it was a big Fox card, they would have run, you know, let's say a Brian Ortega. Fuck, Brian Ortega versus Max Holloway. Obviously, Max Holloway is going to win. But you telling me that wouldn't be entertaining for at least eight to ten minutes? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like Brian Ortega. I actually think Cub Swanson's a way better matchup there. Um, Brian Ortega, you know, he. I mean, what has he won? Four straight or five straight? And in just yeah, all in like the last second of the third round. Yeah, and just about all of them, he got worked in the early rounds. You know, like, he lost a fight to Clay Guida if you don't count 40 seconds. Of, you know, of course. Don't, don't Wait, hold on, Gumby. Don't drill in on it. You're completely correct. Everything you're about to say is 100% correct. But just matchup for matchup, more exciting than seeing Jose Aldo rematch. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Because it's a new matchup. Who the fuck knows? You know, these fights, it's like like a little science experiment. And you don't really know how the chemicals are going to react until you get in the cage. I've seen how the chemicals react in Max Holloway, Jose Aldo. You know what I mean? Like, no one in their... No one in their right mind thought Rose Nama fucking Eunice was going to knock out the best Muay Thai striker maybe in the history of MMA. The person you point to when someone says... Who has the best Muay Thai in MMA? You say Joanna Yanjacek. And then Rose fucking Nama Yunus clips her and knocks her out in the first round? You just never know. I feel like I know what's going to happen with Jose Aldo. I'd rather have seen them run the 15th ranked person. I don't even know who that is at featherweight we'll, we'll out there the in, against we'll put the intern oh i bet you that's jason knight which is actually an awesome pick now that I think I, about i'd love to see jason knight versus max holloway <laughs> you take know, my you money know, now you know who i said would have been a really fun matchup too as long as we're, we're fantasy matchmaking here and trying to find guys who might not be a hundred percent deserving of a title shot i was totally on the darren the damage elkins title shot <laughs> because the motherfucker <laughs> has won a whole bunch of fights in a row that are bloody gritty and he has no business being in for large portions of them but i mean he just got done beating dennis bermudez who's legit he beat mirsad bektik who's legit he knocked out mirsad bektik uh in like the greatest comeback in the history of mma so i, I would have loved to seen somebody like that and, and who wouldn't rally behind a darren elkins title shot i'm with you man the underdog story but yeah that's the whole point just give me a fresh matchup and everyone else can fuck off 
were there was there any other big matchups? I mean, other than Conor McGregor competing in Bellator cage this past week, <laughs> was any other big matchup announced as far as going forward? I don't think so, right? No, no not really. I saw Darren Elkins actually did get booked, which is kind of funny. Uh, he's going to fight uh, Michael Johnson at featherweight. He's going to welcome Michael Johnson to the featherweight division. Uh, but apart oh, from- that's a... Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. It's a, it's a serviceable matchup. I will enjoy watching it. Um, but apart sure, from that, sure. Yeah, but apart from that, I don't, I don't think any big ones this week. Well, you know, while we're talking about, uh, and you can look up the video. It's a Conor McGregor story, so I'm not going to fill people in. I'm guessing they already know about it. But Conor McGregor was uh, in the stands for his teammates' fight in Bellator Charlie after a Ward, knockout. Former UFC fighter, by the way. That's right. Um, Page, slap commissioner, push the ref. It's madness. You can Google it. But Bellator making some waves here, not just with that. Uh, they announced Gumby. I'll let you actually take over because you were the one who broke this news to me. And from an MMA nerds fan perspective, from a legends perspective, this uh, heavyweight Grand Prix is. I actually love what they did here. It's Fedor, Frank Mir, Big Country, and Meathead Mitrione for heavyweight. But then they grabbed four light heavyweights, Quentin Rampage Jackson, Ryan Bader, King Mo, and Shale Sonnen. And while you might say to yourself, why the fuck put four light heavyweights in a heavyweight tournament? I think it's brilliant because if if Bellator tried to fill out an eight-person heavyweight tournament, we're going to get guys like Javi Ayala. You're going to get guys like... I don't know, Sergey Karatanov coming off being knocked out. Right. You're going to get fucking Shek Congo, who might be like the fifth best option at heavyweight. And, and to me, that doesn't get me excited. I love the crazy bullshit matchups we're probably going to get out of this. You, you mean to tell me you wouldn't love watching Rampage Jackson throw down with Big Country? I, I yeah, fucking no. love it. I'm all about it. I agree with you. I think it was a great, this is a great move. Bellator has been making some good moves and it really captures to borrow a term from pro wrestling, the smart mark attention, because this harkens back to the days of pride. And if you're an MMA nerd from way back from the mid aughts, as they say, I never know what to call that decade that started this century. Uh, a, a grand prix tournament is going to be right up your alley. I love what Bellator did here. And you know what? Even if some of these guys couldn't be heavyweight champion in the UFC, <laughs> Fedor um, and, and Roy Nelson, for that matter, it, it presents a bunch of fresh, fun matchups. And you know what? I love Frank Mir, uh, best submission game at heavyweight in history. I love the fact that he's in this tournament. Wouldn't be surprised as a dark horse candidate. If you could consider him a dark horse candidate, I could see him going far in this tournament. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm just excited. I, I actually think some of the light heavyweights could win, too. I would not be surprised to see Ryan Bader win this tournament. He, he might, right. he might right. be my early pick. Because if you look at some of those heavyweights, too, all guys who can be taken down. You know, like maybe Frank Muir is right. a bad matchup for him. But if somebody takes care of Frank Muir for him, he could wrestle big country. He could wrestle Fedor. Um, so, so, you know, like, I, I think that there's something for him. Oh, Mitrione was the other one, too. He could, he could wrestle Mitrione, I think. It, it's interesting to me that Bader could be kind of a big candidate to win here. I also think the other super smart thing that Bellator did was, I, I don't know if you read it, it came out that they only plan on having one fight a night out of this tournament at a time. So this, this tournament's mm-hmm. going to go across seven events, which to right. me is brilliant. 
when, when you do all of the first round fights there, you might get one pop in ratings, but this is going to get people turning tuning in all the time. And I don't know how many it will, but I, I want to know what happens in this, this tournament, even though as far as like, you know, when you're ranking the great heavyweights right now, this has no relevancy at all. No, of course not. Uh, now, it should also be said that Bellator made some more waves today. They announced, it announced that they signed uh, Jack Swagger by his WWE name, uh, real name, I think, Jack Hager. Uh, he was a former WWE superstar, uh, was a world champion for them. Never like a main eventer, main eventer, but right there. Uh, and he was an All-American wrestler at Oklahoma State. Uh, so... You know, I mean, this is not like CM Punk it's also going not like into Brock MMA. Yes, this is more a Brock Lesnar comparison. This is a legitimate athlete making his MMA debut. A little bit older. I'd assume he's in his late 20s. I don't have it in front of me. Potentially uh, early 30s. I think he graduated in 2008. So, yeah, he might be right around 30, 31. But bottom line is pretty exciting. It's a big name. He's a guy that has just about a million Twitter followers. So another big name that Bellator scoops up, and I'm kind of surprised in the William Morris era of the UFC where they need every big name they can get, and they run CM Punk out there on a pay-per-view, and it pops a big buy rate for them. I'm just kind of surprised that uh, UFC wasn't all over this signing. Here's the thing that makes me think that the UFC wasn't ever going to be interested in this. If you look at what the UFC did when they signed CM Punk, they put a huge promotion package around him they did sell a bunch of pay-per-views but i feel like they're one wwe experiment away from turning a whole bunch of fans off if this jack swagger guy came in and just absolutely demolished the first couple of guys he fought the ufc would have done a good thing right but if this guy came in and got slaughtered the same way cm punk did i I just feel like the ufc loses an ass load of credibility on that one you know what i mean whereas Bellator almost has some, some like, house money there, right? They they have a whole bunch of guys on Bellator who are 0-0 or 1-0. You know, like, they signed Ed Ruth before he had a fight. They signed Aaron Pico before he had a fight. They signed freaking Bobby Lashley, who is a former, uh, I don't know, WWE wrestler? Yeah, he was a WWE wrestler. So, like, they have a little house money there of people who worked out, whereas the UFC doesn't. Yeah, I think that's a good point. CM Punk probably made them trigger shy. Of course, the big distinction, though, is that CM Punk just was a pro wrestler, whereas guys like Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Jack Hager, these were all American D1 amateur wrestlers. So if I were the UFC, I wouldn't have been so trigger shy about it. I think they could have taken a chance on Swagger, Hager, whatever you want to call him, his work name, his shoot name. Uh, But, you know, the heavyweight division is not that deep, so I think he probably could have reeled off a win or two. Who knows? I think it would have been a good signing for them. I'm sick of talking about Bellator. Let's talk about this upcoming fight this weekend in the UFC. All right, and our UFC Sydney preview is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu makes the best, most lightweight mouthguard on the market. Head on over to SISUguard.com and get the mouthguard that's right for you. Uh, so, of course, this fight card was supposed to be Mark Hunt against Marcin Tybura. Was Tybura always the other co-headliner? Yeah, it, was always, coming? it was always Marcin Tybura. Uh, but, yeah, Mark Hunt uh, was supposed to be his counterpart for a while. And, of course, he went and did an interview where he said that he suffers from concussion syndromes, forgets his name, forgets something. 
I don't know what, but Dana White pulled him from the fight. And to be quite honest with you, it was the right move to do. You can't have a fighter go on record saying they can't remember their own name, suffer from concussion syndromes, and then willingly and knowingly have them headline a card. I think the UFC lawyers are smart enough to know that looks very damning towards them. Especially so the, UFC... the guy who sued you before. Yeah, exactly. So you already know he's litigious, as yeah. they say. Uh, so it was the right move to pull him. Uh, and they replaced him with former champion Fabricio Verdum. And let's face it, this is the only matchup on the card that matters. Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as far as title pictures go, it's, it's definitely the only fight that matters. Um, and it, I, I don't even think it's going to be all that competitive of one, too. I mean, if you're looking at this breakdown, uh, you know, I, I pulled some stats before we started talking about this. In the last 10 years, Verdum has never lost to somebody who's, tr- who's taken him down. So anybody who's gotten Verdum to the ground by choice has lost to him. Marcin Tybura has attempted a takedown in all of his last four fights and succeeded in three or four of them. So, you know, he's a guy who sort of relies on grappling you up. You know, not that he doesn't have the punching power to beat Verdum, but he's a guy who sort of relies on grappling you up up against a guy he can't grapple up. Right. Well, yeah, it's, it's always that interesting kind of, uh, kind of mathematical equation. Uh, I didn't want to go back to the science analogy because I already used that once in the show. But, you know, his superpower is somewhat canceled out by Verdum's superpower because once you take Verdum down, he goes into submission lockdown game, mm-hmm. and that's not where Tybura wants to be. No, Tybura doesn't want to be anywhere near close to him, yet that's how he wins his fights most of the time. So I see this as super one-sided. No matter what odds you can get on, on Fabricio Verdum here, I say take them because they're they're that good of a chance that he's going to win. Why don't you reach down deep Gumby as the MMA nerd supreme and give uh, fans a fighter to look out for or at least one other fight you can, you know, feel uh, is worth mentioning. Yeah, so I actually like two of them on this card and then like one other bonus fighter. So I like Tim Means versus Bilal Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad mm. is super underrated in that uh, welterweight division and Tim Means is always a good time. Um, so I really like that one as one that probably will stay on the feet and be pretty damn exciting. Uh, I also like Daniel Kelly versus uh, Elias Theodoru, two middleweights who are kind of cuspy in, in the sense that they could both kind of almost be top 15 guys, but haven't quite gotten there yet. So I like both of them. And then Jake Matthews is fighting on the main card, and uh, I've always been big on Jake Matthews. I think he has got a ton of potential at only like 23 years old. Um, so I'm excited to see him back in there mixing it up with Bojan Velikovic. I, I love two things you just said there. One, you said Darren Till is always a good time. I could see that written on a bathroom stall somewhere. Mm-hmm. And two, I like that you coined the phrase cuspy, which I'm going to use uh, <laughs> for someone use... who's right on the cusp of the top. Of the we're we're going to use cuspy from now on. Uh, so that about wraps it up for us, I would say. Uh, we can't thank you enough. For listening, as always, you can follow the show on Twitter, Top Turtle MMA. Uh, you can email the show, MMA at Gmail. We, of course, thank our sponsors, Sisu, Dead Frog Brewery. Uh, and we, of course, thank you, the fans, for listening. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We'll be back next week. <laughs>